Hey everyone, welcome to AWS FM, a live audio show with guests from around the AWS community. I'm your host, Adam Elmore, and today I'm joined by Alex Debris. Hi, Alex. Hey, Adam. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Thanks for joining. I've been so excited uh, to have you on. Somebody that I've looked up to for a long time within the AWS community, and you're the author of the DynamoDB book. And I want to call out here at the beginning that at the end of the episode, we're going to do a couple of giveaways. We'll give away two copies of the DynamoDB book. So stick around and we'll be doing a random drawing here at the end. Um, Yeah, so let's start there. I kind of wanted to, obviously, we're going to talk about DynamoDB, uh, but there's so much content out there, you speaking, writing about DynamoDB that I want to make sure we kind of cover some other topics. So some things that came to my mind, uh, one is sort of, you know, you've, this journey of writing the DynamoDB book and sort of getting it out there, uh, the, the whole process, kind of just that whole story. If, if you could kind of share some, just just wherever you want to start on that. Yeah, sure. Um, man, I, I, I still feel like I totally fell into Dynamo by accident uh, and just really lucked out in a lot of ways there. So uh, in terms of like the writing and stuff, you know, my background, I was working at, at Serverless Inc. That, that makes a serverless framework and, and I was on the growth team for a while. So I was, I was just like interacting with a lot of people and they're trying to figure out how to use serverless. Um, and a lot of times it's like a little bit on how to use our tool and a, a lot about how the heck do I use AWS and, and what are all these different services. So like a lot of, I just ended up writing a bunch of blog posts on like, hey, here's how you do this somewhat hard thing, you know, uh, it, it's, it, it makes it easier for you, but it's like hard to understand how all these different pieces connect together. So, so just wrote yep. some of those posts around that stuff. Um, and, and, you know, met some great friends that way. Um, also just like so many people using DynamoDB in the early days, I think partly because it was like the easiest demo to show. It's like, oh, you can provision with CloudFormation, you can get some key value store and, and like write a blog post about uh, my, my service application. Uh, but a lot of other reasons Dynamo works really well with, with serverless. So then I'm seeing more people do that and I'm like, okay, it's sort of working for me. It's sort of not. And then I see Rick Houlihan's talk at reInvent and, and just like blows my mind on like how all this stuff <laughs> uh, is supposed to work. So then I just watched that a bunch of times and and started creating Dynamo content, including, um, you know, DynamoDB Guide, which that was... Um, uh, basically, I, w- I watched Rick's reInvent talk, you know, and then over the Christmas holiday one year, spent like two weeks just working on this this microsite, you know, 30 pages about DynamoDB, DynamoDB Guide, um, trying to explain some of these concepts in like a way that, that I could understand and, and learn it. Um, and that was just like, that was the first time I published something under my own name, right, rather than under the serverless ink name. Yep. So that was like scary for me to be like, hey, I'm, I made this thing and, and did it. But it was like by far the, the best thing I ever did. Um, sort of career-wise, it just, like, helped me in a lot of ways, like, met, uh, I got to meet a lot of interesting people from that. Um, it reminds me of, I, I can't remember if it's Patio 11 or Swix or somebody, but there, there's, just like, this notion of friend catchers, and, like, the internet is this giant place, right, and do things <laughs> that, like, catch you friends that are interested in similar things as you, or, or just, like, building yep. this community, and and DynamoDB Guide is, like, definitely a, an awesome friend catcher for me. I just got to meet cool people, which is great, like, I'm in Omaha, Nebraska, you know, you're in you're in Missouri, like there's not a ton of yeah. tech people in my area, especially like in the AWS space. But because of this, I got to meet all sorts of uh, interesting people, you know, some of whom are on this call and, and you, of course, and just like a lot of interesting things. So that was a ramble. Yeah. For a while about no, no, that's good. Mind. And I wanted to get to it later in the show, but I just have to point out that we do have the sort of Midwest connection here in the yeah. US. There's not a lot of, I don't know, I talk about it occasionally with folks. It's like yeah. not a lot of tech literacy. And I don't know 
like one of the things I wanted to ask you on the call, yeah. is just a curiosity of mine. I don't know if anyone else cares about this, but what do you tell people when they ask you what you do, like it, you know, at the grocery store or whatever? Yeah, I, I almost always say I'm a computer programmer because um, <laughs> that's just like the easiest thing for people to understand. Like software yeah. engineer, I think sounds too pompous. Um, and, and just people are like, what does that mean? And, and yeah. so I say computer programmer and then, you know, that works for 90% of people. And then, you know, there's another 8% of people that are like, oh, you know, I know someone else that does this, like what kind of stuff are you working in? I might tell them. And then every once in a while, you just like stumble around yeah. someone that like has heard of AWS. And I'm like, oh, oh yes. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> I tell, and then we talk about, uh, talk about that. Um, so it's, I, I go with like the broadest, easiest level first and then wait yeah. for people to, you know, if they want to dig in more and, and hear more about that, then, then I'll go into more depth. Yeah, I don't even know if I say programmer. I just I say yeah. computers first. Yeah, <laughs> sort of latch onto that. Yeah. So, yeah. so you wrote the DynamoDB guide, and yeah. then how long after that before you wrote or started the DynamoDB book? That's a good question. Let me think. Okay, so I think I released DynamoDB guide in January 2018, and then um, it was it was like July or August of 2019. So the next year, a year and a half later, that I really started to get serious and be like, I think there's a thing here. Um, I mean, man, when I wrote DynamoDB guide, I like did not know what I was doing at all. <laughs> um, but like, again, that friend catcher, like people would reach out to me with questions and I'd be like, I don't know how to solve that, but like, let me think about it and, and all yeah. that. So I, I, that just like, I became a focal point it, for like some class of people that would stumble up, up, upon that and, and we just hash stuff over. Um, and so that was great to, to do that. And then like after a year and a half of, of some of that, and, and I even worked with the AWS team and some of the marketing uh, teams on their material and stuff. And I was like, okay, I think there's enough for a book here. Uh, and I knew I was going to get named a, a data hero that fall. And I was like, okay, around that announcement would be kind of a good time to announce it. So yeah, I started working on it. I think I announced it, you know, when I was announced as a data hero, which was like September of, of 19. Um, but then I like was not making any progress on it because I was still working at serverless. I was super busy. Yeah. Um, and then that fall or that, that December at reInvent is like, okay, I need to, I need to go full-time on this. I think there's a good space for it. Um, that felt like a leap of faith just in, in the sense of, you know, I think my wife believed in me and I believed that could be useful, but um, a lot of people were like, wait, why are you like quitting a tech job that pays some money so you can like write a book for four months or something like that? And like who yeah. writes books, who reads books, who pays for <laughs> books? Like, um, and especially like a niche technical book, like who does that? And I even think like, I, you know, I sort of talked with like some of the people at AWS, like in the marketing department and even with them, I think there's like some skepticism that it was going to be useful or not like skepticism, but just like not any excitement or, or something like that. I think like it was, that was part of it is just like making sure I'm like, okay, I, I really think there's a space for this listening to like yeah. Adam Wabin and, and some other people that have had successful info product launches. I was like, I think the economics makes sense for this. I think there's a hole in this specific area. Yep. Um, and I, and I think it could work. So, so yeah. yeah. And go ahead. I mean, it's gone well now. Like, I feel like yeah. if anything, you've got the the Cognito book being written. Yeah. I feel like this could sort of start like a whole series of AWS <laughs> services and the book for that I'm, thing because it's the DynamoDB book. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. Um, I like to see that stuff. Like, yeah, the Cognito book from from David Wells. There's also the the I am. I can't remember what it's called the I am book maybe or my am guide from. Uh, uh, oh, I can't remember Rowan. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, like a lot of good stuff coming out. And I think like, you know, some opinionated guides or just like, um, you know, at least specific to certain use cases and saying, hey, here are the features that matter. Here's the, the ones that yep. don't. Because I think it's hard for AWS to to do that. And and people like, 
you know, rag on their documentation. Um, and it's just a hard job they have. They have to appeal to oh, yeah. everyone, cover all those features, and they can't really say, use this part, don't use this part, or things like that. Uh, I think the documentation for a lot of services is is pretty good. Once you know AWS, and it's, it's great reference material. But again, like if you want some sort of like opinionated onboarding type thing, it's it's harder for them. It's just a harder thing for them to do. Yep. So yeah. So uh, talking DynamoDB, I one of the things I wanted to ask you is sort of your view of adoption within the broader, we'll say like broader web community because there's there's so many different technical communities yeah. and i think being on twitter sort of biases toward yeah. this sort of web dev community yeah. i i just have this feeling like i constantly feel like it's under utilized do you think that's true or do you think you see a lot more of sort of yeah. db adoption from your position yeah but i also see like an even more biased view than you do you know um like people that like i see all the time people are like yeah i love dynamo and, and stuff like that um and, and tweeting stuff out so then it's like i get a biased view that it's going better than than i think it is um you know i think it is continuing to, to pick up momentum in the serverless community you know that's been true early on where a lot of people started using it and some dropped it in frustration i think it's just around understanding how to use it and yeah you know some of the other the feature type things but I think that's continuing to get better. And I think, you know, I think one thing that's that's good is just like a growing awareness in the community of of the trade-offs of Dynamo uh, and what those are and, and why those matter. Um, and, you know, some people don't want to take on DynamoDB's downsides, you know, and then that's totally sure. fine with me. Um, I mean, like, it's, it's interesting because like MongoDB is, is very similar in a lot of ways, but just like completely philosophically different. And because of that, it's like, you can't say one is right or one is wrong. I don't, I don't think about those. Yeah. It's just like, Hey, what works for your scenario? And like concern, you know, I don't think MongoDB would, would be what work well for, you know, AWS internally. Cause they're at a scale where I, I think that would be problematic for them or DynamoDB, I think fits really well with their needs. They have a huge engineering team. They want to make sure these things are going to yep. scale consistency and sort of enforce that works great. But if you're like a smaller startup getting started and you're not going to have those immediate scaling concerns, you have a pretty small team to enforce some of these things. Like I can't tell you that that Mongo's wrong there. Um, sure. So so yeah. So for, from your perspective, you do a lot of consulting work. Like you've probably seen some Dynamo implementations that maybe would be surprising. Are there sort of, like we all know about Amazon.com and like the shopping cart or whatever? Yep. Could you tell us about any kind of implementations that maybe would surprise us? Like things people are doing with DynamoDB or customers that are using it that maybe aren't publicly super talked about? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I never know on this stuff because I don't, I don't know if I can talk about customers. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. No, I get um, that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just yeah. don't even know the rules on some yeah, of that yeah, yeah. stuff. Maybe uh, not one of your clients. Do you even know of just like people using Dynamo that would make me feel better about DynamoDB adoption? Like, yeah. I, I know it, it doesn't need me to feel good about it. But um, If you want to talk about other big clients, I know Intercom uses it and they've blogged about, you know, switching from some of their stuff to Dynamo to handle some of those things, you know, they're, that yep. are pretty high scale. And one thing I, I saw... Um, pretty recently is like a lot of times Rick Houlihan will show this chart showing like um, they can generate it internally and it just sort of shows your partition access across time and across partitions in Dynamo. And you basically want a pretty even access both across time and across partitions uh, to your table. And he always shows this one example chart. It's like, hey, this is a great well-distributed chart. And I just found out recently that that's, that's from Intercom. Um, oh, nice. So he was, he was mentioning that with, he had an exchange with someone on Twitter from Intercom about that. And he said he still uses their chart. So yeah. that's pretty interesting to see uh, that background. 
No, I didn't know that Intercom. I hadn't seen any of that. So yeah, they have a good they have a good post if you want to uh, about like uh, switching to Dynamo for certain use cases. Yep. So. Yeah. No, that'd be super helpful. Yeah. You've mentioned sort of the downsides uh, or yeah. the trade offs, I guess, with DynamoDB. Yeah. Did you see? I guess yesterday, uh, Jack Ellis, the CEO founder of Fathom Analytics, yeah. they sort of wrote this post about moving away from DynamoDB. Have you seen that? Do you have any takes on that? Uh, I mean, he's off my Christmas card list for sure. Um, <laughs> No, I know, I know Jack. He's a good guy. Like we've been we've been uh, talking about the, doing this book together about uh, Dynamo and, and Laravel as well. Um, I, you know, I understand it. They have a, they have a hard use case. Um, they have like one of the hardest use cases to handle in in sort of all of data access, which is like, hey, I want to show fast, giant aggregations. Like mm-hmm. that's that's a hard problem um, yep. and a hard scalability problem. It sounds like single store is working out for working out well for them. I don't know enough about single store, so I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, comment on that um i always expect like if you want fast large aggregations you basically just need to pay out the nose but but it seems like single store is working pretty well for them so in that case like um that's great to hear more power to them i um you know as part of that they even had to switch up some of their architecture they had to switch off of lambda to heroku just so they could get more persistent connections to single store um you know they're doing well and and they have a lot of scale that they need to work out and and because of that you need to approach things differently and like Aggregations is not going to be DynamoDB's strong suit, especially uh, very flexible flexible aggregations, right? They want yeah. to be able to say between this time and this time, which is totally user set, um, and if it has this flag and this page or whatever, show me the total counts over time. It, it's something that you can't really pre-calculate with Dynamo, and then it, so then it gets gets difficult. Yeah, so that was way too diplomatic and not hot takey enough for me. But <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna let it slide. Uh, so I guess that's sort of a very specific use case where DynamoDB maybe isn't a good fit. Are there like more common use cases that you would say like Dynamo really doesn't make sense here? I would say the ones that that are the trickiest would be um, hey, if you have pretty complex filtering requirements um, over sort of large data sets. So, you know, if you're running a CRM and someone might have 10,000 or 20,000 or 50,000 contacts in their CRM and they've each got 30 different columns and you want to be able to say, hey, where the you know last time I accessed them is greater than this and the, the customer type is that and, and, and all sorts of di- like, you know, all these filters, all of which can be optional or included. Um, it's, it's hard to do that because, you know, Dynamo is going to excel at, at fixed access patterns and you might think, Hey, I want to filter my CRM. That's a that's a fixed access pattern, but it, but it's not. It's actually like you need to be more specific than that. I want to filter by customer type. I want to filter by customer type and date access. Like it, it can do that really well. Uh, but if you have those really really flexible ones, again, that's a hard problem to to do generally. But um, Dynamo is going to be kind of tricky at that one. Um, so that aggregations is another one. Um, and then like the other thing is like, hey, if you're really good at um, you understand MySQL, you understand Postgres really well, and you're not going to be hitting high scale or you like know the sort of foot guns to avoid in some of those things. Like, again, more power to you. I don't, I don't uh, uh, besmirch anyone if they, if they yeah, choose that sure. Dynamo. So. And I think that's some of the pushback I've heard just like in conversations with folks is like, you know, we have experience with SQL. We know how to, to work with Postgres or yeah. MySQL. Yeah. Um, and the tooling is all there. Like, how do you feel about DynamoDB, the sort of developer experience? There's tools out there, you know, Dynabase. Yeah. There's the NoSQL Workbench. Do, do you yeah. see, how do you see that evolving? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I am like, I'm pretty bullish on this area just because, um, you know, Dynamo has been around for nine or 10 years, whatever. Um, but I think the first 
six of those years, it's mostly people with like enormous scale problems, writing Java, things like that, like the yeah. super heavy backend engineers or, or DBAs doing that stuff. But now with serverless, you're seeing like this different crop of people coming in to use Dynamo. And these are people that, you know, more JavaScript, uh, just like a better sense of, of DX and just like a much larger community, I think. And, and you're seeing whether it's um, client libraries like um, OneTable and um, DynamoDB Toolbox and a bunch of different client libraries yeah. that way. Or, you know, like Rafal is doing with Dynabase, like, like the AWS team has with NoSQL. Uh, you're just seeing more people that are good at that stuff get into it. Um, I'd love to see in terms of tooling perspective, something that connects both like the modeling with the operational stuff. So Dynabase uh, does a great job on like the operational stuff. Hey, my table's already there. I want to query it in a, in a particular yep. way, handle some of that stuff and do it. Uh, and NoSQL is pretty good at the modeling part, but I think, I think marrying those would be good. And, and you see Rafal with Dynabase moving in that direction right now. I think there's a, a lot of potential there where if you can generate your model, have those examples, export those to your things, but then also query based on those access patterns in Dynabase and handle that. Um, it'd be pretty slick. Yeah. It's sort of like he's moving into the single table. He's coming on next week. We're going to talk a lot about Dynabase, I'm sure. Perfect. Um, but he did just sort of announce this new feature, which is focused around single table design and kind of getting into the runtime side where he's like, I think before maybe Dynabase generated code, but now we're talking about libraries that would actually sort of be in your Lambda functions or whatever. Yeah. In terms of single table design, one of the things that that I know has been a hang up for me is I, I really like AppSync. So I really yeah. like building out GraphQL APIs. Yeah. And I feel like single table, is it inherently opposed to a GraphQL schema? Like, is there a way to marry those two? Um, I think it it depends on who you ask about. You know, Rich Buggy's done some good content in this area and shows how he does the single table design with AppSync. Um my sense is is you don't get quite as many of the advantages. Um, it's a little harder, I think, to do with AppSync. You sort of have to eject out of some of AppSync's niceties to to get that to work. So if you're if you're interested in doing that, you can do it. You also sometimes might have to um, run against, I would say, how GraphQL is designed to work. Like maybe do some look aheads and feel like say like, hey, do I want to yeah. fetch related items while I'm doing this stuff? So some of like the the more standard parts of uh, single table design like might not work as well as AppSync, but I still think it's a good. Um, I think it's a good system to to use together. You know, the big thing there with like with GraphQL and having you know these resolvers. I think the hard part you get into is if you have like these really nested resolvers where you have to make so many queries to satisfy it. And that's going to be true whether it's you know uh, Postgres or whether it's DynamoDB. But but Dynamo is going to be good at, at handling that stuff. Uh, it's just like some different patterns than than a single table design usually. Yeah, and I've I've read your book, so I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you think single table design is like a trade off, or is it just always better, always the best approach? I I'm probably more trade off type person. Um, you know, I think more much more important than single table is understanding the data modeling principles and and making sure you're modeling specifically for DynamoDB, and that generally means like. Hey, you're not accessing like off your true attribute values. You're accessing based off like these combined values or sort of special values that are um, uh, done just for data access, right? So I, I really believe in splitting up your DynamoDB items into what I call indexing attributes and attribute or application attributes. Application attributes—that's what you actually use in your application. You're not querying yep. directly off of those generally, 
but indexing attributes are like, hey, I, this is how I access my data efficiently. And with Dynamo, you're just thinking about efficient access, and then you, you offload the rest, you know, to your your application and, and do stuff there. So I think if you're thinking about it that way, and you still want to use multiple tables, that's fine with me. Um, the thing I would say though is like, if you're thinking about it that way, you also realize that combining it into a single table is not that big uh, of a deal. Like you, you don't really think about tables or or not tables at that point. Um, I think there are some more like operational factors to think about with uh, sometimes multiple tables um, might be just easier to reason about that way or, or easier to use, you know, whether it's streams and you want to have some, some different patterns based on different items or uh, whether it's, you know, you occasionally need to do full scans of like a particular item and that's easier if it's just segmented into a different table. Um, I think that can all work. And so when I'm thinking about tables, it's more operational concerns rather than like specific modeling concerns. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've got the Burning Monk on tomorrow. I know he has opinions about this as well. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll kind of cover some of that. Nice. So I'm. I was going to say I'll have, I'll have burning ears while he's while he's talking <laughs> about multiple tables. Exactly. Monk, but no, that's good. You should so, ask him about the background on, on his uh, on his name. By the way, I just found that out in like. Uh, that was times. one. Of the, yeah, that's one thing I wanted. I wondered if I could find that on the internet but, somewhere. But, I was very yeah. curious. Yep. Yeah. So that's that. We'll save that one for tomorrow. A little teaser. Uh, so I wanted to talk a little about your background. So you have kind of a non-traditional background in tech uh, yeah. coming from practicing law. You were a lawyer. Practice, Could you tell yeah. us a little bit about your story there? Yeah, I uh, practiced briefly there. So basically, yeah, I went to law school after I graduated. My wife and I both went to law school together, uh, partly because I didn't know what else to do. But like, I didn't have a tech or programming background before law school. I took one like intro to computer science class in, in college and just hated it. I like it wasn't actually any coding. It was like sort of writing pseudocode in a notebook and thinking about loops and stuff. So like not yep. not fun. Um, so I just didn't do any more of that, even though I was kind of interested in computers and stuff. Um, but then yeah, I, I was doing law school and I and I really enjoyed law school. We both did. Met some great friends there, and I also think it's just super fascinating. You learn a lot about how society works and and just different things. Um, and you know, worked at law firms in the summer. Um, while I was there, I met a friend at my law firm that was like into tech. Um, and so he had this idea of like, um, you know, his dad was a farmer. He wanted to put like, uh, sensors in fields, farmers fields to like check their soil moisture and like send that up somewhere. We process it. We'd show them in a data, in a, in a webpage and, and, uh, they could figure out whether to irrigate or not. Um, so, and then my brother-in-law, he's like a data science guy. So they're like, Hey, let's, let's do this together. He's sort of learning programming. So they're working on it. I wanted to help. And I was like, well, I can, write the business plan or something like that, which is, which is totally useless. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, so I did that and it was fine. And then I was like, okay, I still want to be involved. Like, what can I do? And they like bought me, um, two scoops of Django, which is like, uh, this, this book on Django. Yeah. Uh, I'm familiar. It. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Django is like this Python web framework, right? And they're like, Hey, learn Python, learn, uh, read this book and start working on our webpage for us. Right. So, um, I started doing that. Um, during my last year of law school, which like your last year of law school is a, is a joke. Like you don't really, like most people have jobs by that point. So like the grades don't matter anymore and things like that. So I had a lot of free time. So I'm just like doing that. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and like just kept working, you know, it's, it's very consuming. And we had like a, we had a kid at that time. My wife was pregnant again, but like that was like what I wanted to be doing and, and things like that. Um, so kept working on that this summer when I took the bar I worked as a lawyer for nine months um, and then, but, you know, I just kept wanting to do tech and, and so then I made a switch and, and jumped, but 
um, it's funny, like, uh, um, at my law firm, right, we had like these junky Windows laptops. Like, I couldn't do any, or not laptops, <laughs> but like desktops, right? And like, sometimes yeah. I'd have some downtime. And I'm like, oh, I want to be working on my tech. And, and I couldn't do that. But um, so I would use Cloud9, which was like not a part of AWS at that point. Um, it was like yeah. an independent thing for that. Yeah. So I used Cloud9 to, to keep working on my tech when I was at my law firm without installing Python on, on some Windows uh, desktop from That's whenever. awesome. Yeah. So... Uh, with your background in law, I've got a very important question for you. Okay. Uh, in in your lawyer opinion, yeah, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, is AWS FM going to get taken down? Do I do I have like a shelf life here where AWS is going to come after me? Yeah, and this thing's all gone. Well, first of all, I shouldn't be opining on this because <laughs> not only am I not a lawyer, but I am a suspended <laughs> lawyer um, because I, I stopped paying my dues. So they they sent yeah, me yeah, a letter. Yeah. I got a letter from the Nebraska Supreme Court saying I'm suspended. Uh, <laughs> I'll so take your unofficial opinion. Yeah. I'll take that. Um, I don't know. My wife did more uh, of the trademark stuff. I would say <laughs> no. Uh, I, I would say they probably could, but but hopefully they won't. I think they're decent about letting the community sort of do some of that stuff. Like you know, I have yeah. DynamoDB Guide, uh, and and I show the logo like giant on the screen. I have DynamoDB, yeah. book and, and they don't do anything. So I I hope they'd be good about it. Uh, but I don't know. That's <laughs> interesting if they actually wanted to. Yeah, I don't know. The colors yeah. might be a little. Uh, the the yeah. logo might be a little yeah. much. We'll see. Uh, I, <laughs> hopefully, yeah, I can get I, away with this a rebrand. Yeah, I was thinking it's, it, it should be AWS AM, right? Because we're just like a, a talk show. Oh, right? that's true. Yeah. <laughs> like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Grumpy old guy. And it's in the morning. So yeah. Kinda... <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's not going to solve your your trademark problems with AWS. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah. And also, I don't think the domain is. Yeah, thing. yeah. You got all <laughs> kinds of problems there. Yeah. You know, so. so the two scoops of two, two scoops of Django. The author mm-hmm. uh, Roy. Is a husband and wife, Roy Greenfield. Is that yep. right? Yep. So we have a shared work. Daniel, he worked, yep. Oh, Daniel. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So he worked at a company like an insure tech startup that I then joined, I think after he had already left, but we've okay. worked at the same place. So I'm very familiar with him and yeah. his work. And it was just I, sort of a Python shop. I love it. I like that was such a useful book for me and, and so much stuff. And it's, it's weird because it's come full circle because now he's, he's bought the Dynamo DB, DB book and we've <laughs> talked on some of that. And it's just like, yeah. it's, it's so weird to like, meet your heroes sometimes you yeah, know yeah. and well i'm meeting uh, i mean you, even on just the show has been an opportunity <laughs> for me to meet my heroes sort of, uh it's so great to have you on for yeah. this i think uh we do have a connection another sort of shared similarity i think yeah. i had paul swale on yeah. the first episode and you're also sort of an independent aws yeah consultant i'd yeah. love to hear some of that journey for you one question i have for you specifically yeah. is does like everybody just come to you for DynamoDB? is it like Hey Alex, we want to do this thing with Dynamo, and you're the Dynamo DB guy. Or do you get like, hey, can you help me with my load balancer or whatever? Like, I don't get a lot of load balancer stuff. I get a, uh, a mix of Dynamo DB and serverless, just because a lot of people know me from serverless stuff yeah. from my my blog posts on on uh, serverless.com and work there. So I would say it's probably seventy five twenty five Dynamo versus serverless um, yep. at the moment. But it's a lot of people that are using Dynamo with serverless too. And and so like it, it sort of even blends together at that yeah. point. Um, but yeah, mostly Dynamo stuff, which I'm really enjoying. And uh, it's making me think of like, oh, I want to, I want to re-explain this from the book. I want to, I want to, like, there are all these things I want to update from the book and just like never have time to. And, and, yeah. and, um, uh, and another thread just like related from consulting, the the interesting thing I've been sort of wrapping around my head, and I need to like formalize this some way is, is one thing I like about Dynamo is like just how easy it is to like calculate out the questions. Like a lot of people are like, hey, we want to do this. Is that going to be expensive or, or not yeah. with Dynamo? And it's like, you can actually 
figure that out. Like you have this many items, you want to do this with it. Like, you know, exactly what the right capacity cost is or, or recapacity. Yep. If you're doing on demand, you can like in a spreadsheet, calculate that out. Um, and, and now, show is that, that even possible? Like in an RD, in that, like a traditional relational data store. I mean, not, not that I know how we have, we have Frank on here. I see. And, 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 uh, Frank, uh, we, we always go back and forth on, on, uh, relational and, and dynamite. Yeah. He's a good guy. So maybe he would know some of that stuff. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know if we'll have to pull him on here, uh, pull him up on stage or not, but yeah, I, that seems hard to me to, to know some of that stuff. And, um, another thing too, is like, sometimes people will tell me stuff. I'm like, Oh man, that's a, that's a lot of items. Is that gonna, is that gonna work? How's this going to work if I'm fetching this many items? And I'll run through it. I'm like, oh, actually, that's like three queries worth of items if you limit it down to these uh, yeah. attributes. And, 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 and I don't know. Like, there are all just ways you can you can sort of think about uh, how you want to. You can weigh the trade offs easy with, with easier with Dynamo, I think, um, without yeah. having to do sort of a bunch of load testing or something like that. It's got more of that predictable sort of performance that yeah that we all love. Yeah. So sure. I I can remember your post when you went sort of independent. That how long ago was that? That hasn't been. Yeah. So that was, um, I mean, it's sort of a weird step there. Um, so last January, January, 2020 is when I left serverless to, um, go write the dynamo DB book and basically spent most of the next four months writing the book. I took a few consulting contracts in there too, just to like keep myself sane. And because I'm just writing all day and this is driving me nuts. So I did a little bit of programming there too, but mostly doing that. Um, then I did consulting for, um, you know, three or four months. Um, and then actually like, I, I think I got a little stir crazy and, and, um, the aimlessness of it was like getting to me. So I, I joined <laughs> steady for like, uh, a few months, uh, which is a great That's company, right. a lot of great people. Yeah. So I was at steady yeah. for five months and I was like, you know what? I, I, I did like being on my own, um, especially the flexibility around, uh, you know, we have, uh, we have four kids and, and just being able yep. to like go to their school stuff and, and not that steady or, or other tech companies like don't let you do that. But it's just like when I'm at a job and I have these other people, like I just feel this intrinsic responsibility to be oh, there yeah. and be on like all the time. Uh, and it was harder for me to, to separate that. So, you know, going on my own, I, I really like the flexibility. So yeah, definitely. Anyway, a long winded answer to say, you know, a little more than a year and a half with like a, five month respite in there. Yeah. 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 Well, if you're going to be anywhere for five months, steady would be the place. Exactly. Yeah. I I think every one of my guests now at this point (laughs) has worked or will work at steady. It's true. Uh, Yeah. They're dominating the service world. Yeah. They're they're a great, they're a great place. So, and you've worked from home like a long time then, I guess, were you at home with serverless? Yeah. Yeah. So serverless was like based in San Francisco when I got there with some remote folks, I think, uh, uh, I was the first US-based. Yeah, I, there were two of us hired at the same time that were the first US-based remote folks. But we also had some remote folks in uh, um, in Europe and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, it became more just distributed as we went. Um, but yeah, I've been working at home for, geez, I can't even think now. Probably about four and a half years. Four, four, yeah. About five years. Four or five years. Somewhere in there. Um, and yeah, I like that well. You know, at our old house, we like, did not have the, the space. So I actually had to go to my uh, in-laws house and just like use one of their spare bedrooms. Yeah. Was, so it's sort of like I'm going to the office every day Yeah. Um, and, and do that, which was good. It helped like separate stuff. You know, now uh, we got a new house and I have an, an office here and it's, it's, it's good, but it's, it's tempting to be always on. Um, I think the the big thing for me is like 
I used to take my laptop everywhere and then just like work from downstairs, open it, things like that. Here, I like have my laptop closed and like hooked up to my monitor and all that stuff. And it's like, I can't really work without the monitor now and I'm not going to move the monitor. So it's like, I have to be in my room, in the office to do that. And it's, it's easier to, to separate um, work from, from life a little bit. Yeah, no, I, and in the, I mean, I've worked from home for a long time. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like the last year it's just, it's harder than it ever Mm -hmm. has been. And I think, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's a stir craziness, but being in the Midwest working from home has been fantastic because there's not, I mean, as you know, there's not a lot of local opportunities and the type of stuff that we do. Yeah. Um, I know it's, it's surely out there, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, the remote work discussion is like a, a fraught one. And I, I'm not going to say like remote work is like the only way I'm super grateful for like the opportunities it's given me. Cause again, I like, we're going to be in Omaha. That's, that's where we have roots. And yep. uh, it, it's given me a lot of opportunities. I think there are benefits to being in an office that I'm not going to get. Um, and, I, and I totally yeah. acknowledge that. So I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I get why people want to want to do the office too, but, but I do like the, the flexibility of remote and the opportunities it's given me. Yeah, and on that note, so what are the, sort of the future plans for Alex Debris? Are you are you going to write another book? Are you writing another book and I just didn't know it? Are you all in on the consulting? I don't know. I ask myself that a lot. Um, <laughs> I've thought for a while about doing a serverless course just because I think um, I'd be interested in doing that. Um, I'd be interested in taking it. Which <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. So. But the hard part too is like I've been doing so much with just Dynamo lately that I'm uh, I've been doing less with serverless and I'm worried my knowledge is atrophying. So I don't like if I did a big project that would probably be it. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I can't decide. I'd also like to do some like think of a uh, do a product and something like that and just stay focused on on doing some coding there. So I don't know. It's hard for me to say. So in that in in that respect, yeah, yeah. I'm like mostly on cruise control. Um, I would say I probably wouldn't do a book um, unless it was it really felt right. And I think Dynamo felt right in the sense that um, I think a lot of the stuff in Dynamo is not going to be changing for a couple of years. You know, they'll add some new features and stuff yeah. will we'll change a little bit, but it's, it's mostly going to change around the edges. And those core principles are, are really going to work. And that's why I think the book was was useful. And also, I think the linear nature of the book like made sense for that. But like if you did a book on serverless and there've been some good ones out there, but it's hard just because the space is still moving so quickly and, yep. and different things happening that it's, it's hard to stay up to date with that unless you're updating pretty frequently. And then how do you get it to people? So it has been so great to have you, Alex. I've looked forward to this. I mean, I, I think when I started the idea of this show, it was like, you're on my short list of people I'd love to to just get on the phone with and why not do it with other people listening in where they can hear all the things uh, I'm going to get to hear. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I've been I've been meaning to like get on a get on a call and meet you too because you know we've interacted in DMs a little bit and and on yeah. Twitter, but like actually getting to to see and talk to each other has been great. So yeah, sure. yeah, it's been fun. We'll do it again sometime. I, I'm not planning on stopping. I have sort of booked out a whole lot of these. I'm kind of yeah. committed at this point. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah. Sometimes I regret it, and then but it's been so much fun. So thank yeah. you to everyone that's joining. Thanks for for hopping on live with us, uh, and obviously we'll put it up on the the podcast platforms for everyone else to enjoy later. Cool. Thanks again for joining, and thanks, Alex. Yep. Thanks all.